When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with George Webb. He is back again. We had a great conversation, I think it was about a month or so ago, right? Yeah, so uh, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming back and uh, look forward to having this chat today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. And, you know, Courtney, it's always interesting to come back to your show because so much changes in the, you know, from month to month. So it'll be a f- totally fresh new show. I Right. I know. I, I was saying the topics we had propo- that I proposed to you to discuss uh, weeks ago are now not as much in the forefront as some new things. So, yeah, it, the news is pretty crazy for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think still people want to know. I mean, now it's Christmas time and now all the families are getting together. And the one thing that everybody seems to talk about when they get together is the COVID and the shot and the, you know, you've got one side of the family, the vaxxers over here and the anti-vaxxers over there. And then you've got the conspiracies there somewhere in the middle. So it always makes for fun family gatherings. And I thought, well, why don't I just throw a little gasoline on the fire? Absolutely. Well, so, I am super I excited about how, you know, the term conspiracy theorists, I, I always talk about how it was weaponized by document 1035-960, uh, which was to avert any investigation to the Warren Commission. And that has come to the forefront this past week in the mainstream media. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that document specifically. Uh, okay. But, uh, th- did that document come out? Um, and they said, hey, well, I mean, that document has been around for that was actually one of the D class. It was not a classified document. That was a, you know, that's been out for a pretty long time, uh, which is why I always reference it, because I always talk about how the term was weaponized and it was weaponized by that document, because prior to 1964, really, the term conspiracy theorist was not you know, used in the common vernacular. But after that document came out, then it, it became a very pejorative term. So it was used as a way of kind of, you know, shutting down any dissenting narratives. And that, today we really see that. But because uh, the, it came, I think it was Tucker who kind of, who brought this story to the surface as of recently in the mainstream media. I mean, many of us have been talking about this for years, but, you know, he broke it recently saying how the, in fact, the CIA does seem to have been involved in, uh, you know, the assassination of JFK. But if you look into that uh 
if you look into that story, you know, document 1035 was uh, dash 960 was really integral to uh, a lot of that whole uh, investigation because it was a, a document that was put forth in order to avert any investigation into the Warren Commission. So, yeah. Sort of a foundational document for Smith Month. So we can just say anything, come up with any uh, <laughs> false narrative we want. It's all good. Uh, well, I, I may as well throw some on that mill as long as we're there um, uh -huh. you know uh the cia was hiring a lot of fbi agents uh, ex-fbi agents um the um you know uh, camp street there in new orleans was filled with them and they fbi had given up in that 62 time frame they'd given up south america and central so they were hiring a lot of the FBI agents the CIA was hiring to cover those same territories. Um, and so that's what makes it interesting that the FBI guys uh, could have been hired. A guy Bannister comes to mind as, you know, comes to Lee Harvey Oswald, was FBI, then became CIA, and all those folks. Uh, but if you look at the one person, I would say if you're trying to solve a crime, mm -hmm. right? Uh, look at uh, let's say somebody who uh, is a wheel man for a robbery and then there's a shooting and you're trying to figure out uh, how that robber got in there mm -hmm. uh, you you would go well who brought him who brought him to the robbery right uh, who 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 picked him up and then how did he get to the robbery and then how did he uh, you know get away uh, or you know, and you would just start with that. And and that guy's name's I.B. Hale, Insol uh, B. Hale. Uh, he's the guy who brings um, uh, Oswald to Dallas. Mm -hmm. His wife installs him at the Texas School Book Depository uh, six weeks before the assassination. The two sons, Robert Allen Hale and the twin brother, go mm -hmm. to school with Lee Harvey Oswald at Beauregard High School. Plus, I.B. Hale... And the two sons killed three close relatives of the people in the in the limo, right? Uh, before the assassination, one is his wife, Robert Allen Hale's wife, which is John Connolly's daughter. Mm -hmm. Even one murder would be a lot, but normally, right, say, right. has anybody murdered anybody? You know, it's like kind of like, is there any blood stains already that I could follow rather than? Um, and, and anyway, they were all three of them were snipers. That mm -hmm. sounds like something that might have happened at Dealey Club. Uh, I'm sorry I'm going off on this riff, but no, um, no, no, it's good. Uh, the other, yeah, uh, Judith Campbell Exner was um, used as a lure for JFK, and she ended up uh, dying. Uh, uh, then you have also the strange going on with Marilyn Monroe, who also seems to have visits from Hale Boys. Yep. There's a lot going on with just one family of snipers, FBI snipers. Uh, they also put um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald into the DeMorenshells home and introduced him to the, you know, the, the white Russian oil community in Dallas. So, you know, you know, everybody was CIA or FBI or the Dallas Police Department was in on it all this. How about just one family of snipers that have killed three people in the limo? Can mm -hmm. we start there? So I, 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 I'm pushing for this Occam's razor approach. And Tucker, why don't you just at least tell me if I'm right? You don't. <laughs> that's not giving up any classified information. Just tell me. You yeah. Know, I be Hale. Is I be Hale in the document? 
Yeah, yeah. So sorry, that was my ref here. Yeah, well, not much information was released. They, they said they were protecting the privacy of the source. So, uh, yeah, they really didn't say a whole lot other than, you know, yes, it does seem like there was a connection, which, I mean, that, that seemed pretty obvious. And they still, all those documents were supposed to be released in 2017, and they still have what was like 4,000 documents that have not been released. Why are there so many? First of all, what's with all the secrecy? And then we're supposed yeah. to just well, like you know, smile and nod like we, we haven't been lied to <laughs> as, as they yeah, shuttle also, off thousands of documents away from us that were supposed to be released <laughs> five now going on almost I mean, six years ago. Oswald, but yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. Uh, Oswald is reporting to the FBI office three times in the month of November. You know, mm -hmm. I mean. Uh, that's to me seems like a, uh, he's being handled by somebody who's in the FBI, or at least somebody who he thinks is this FBI handler. Anyway, yes. we'll get off that. That's old, but that does start the secret team it, to take over America. Yeah. So. Well, well, I, I don't know that it started it, but I think it, it definitely was a, a you know pivotal moment for sure. But yeah, maybe yeah. started the CIA, and you know, because the OSS seemed like they were doing the right thing in World War II, but then it turned. Real sorry, mm, real fast. It's a whole nother but, rabbit hole, but no, I mean, I think when you really start to look at how these intelligence or, organizations uh, came to be, they were all kind of working in conjunction with each other. Um, and, you know, it really goes back to uh, the British American Empire and, the, you know, them trying to shuttle the transfer of power back. So, you know, the MI6 has is the famous branch, but, you know, certainly there are many other British intelligence organizations and they work in conjunction with our CIA, our entire military uh, industrial complex apparatus, Mossad, like they all work together. It's not like, but then they create this uh, narrative that we're all in competition with each other and we need to shuttle all of our tax dollars for defense to to fight each other when they're really behind the scenes working together and they're working for the oligarchs who are lording power over us. That's a pretty <laughs> <So>. good description. <laughs> yeah, I think I can't remember who um, the guy who founded Yale University, but it, it was supposed to be kind of like a beachhead to regain uh the you know roads kind of uh reaching across the water to bring back america into the in, in, into the fold as a colony but anyway let's fast forward to two more cia guys all right <laughs> uh, malone right till now malone and 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 callahan Michael callahan yeah, this one's a tough one for me. You know, I have interviewed Dr. Malone. I, I've met him several times. I, I had dinner with him. Like, you know, very nice guy. Um, but it, it seems like when you start looking into, just if you follow the money alone. So he said, he made this statement. And I really would, he said he would do a part two. And I really would like to bring him back. But he made this statement, a public statement, saying that the reason he did not go into the CIA you know, because his father was CIA, his father-in-law is CIA, and he said that he specifically did not go into the CIA because he did not want to be a part of uh, creating weapons that were being uh, targeted against the people. And that inadvertently he realizes he has become a part of that apparatus. And that's a very interesting statement. I, I would like did to he, hear. Yeah. Well, did he say his father, did he tell you his father and his father-in-law were CIA? Uh, he, I, he didn't tell me that. I, I mean, he he's publicly said that. 
that that's like a public statement. Okay. Yeah, okay. that is a public statement. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, and he, uh, I'm not saying he is CIA, by the way. No, no, no. Um, uh, he, he himself he, is not, but he has worked very closely. And I, I want to hear, you know, what you found. But I know he's worked very closely with people, but he's also been given money from DARPA, uh, DTRA, which is Defense Threat Re- Reduction Agency, uh, BARDA. Uh, so many of these, you know, military apparatus agencies. He's been given either funds to oversee uh, for research or he's personally been given. So he he has a lot of military ties in that regard, for sure, fiscally. Yeah, and the the reason I'm in Florida is because of a a contractor for DARPA and for DTRA, which Mm -hmm. is called Alcam, which is he's the chief medical officer was for a while, but he's been in various other cutouts for DTRA, but I've always just basically said he's a DTRA guy, a mm-hmm. countermeasures guy, a vaccine guy. Right. Uh, and I've always said that uh, Michael Callahan is the virus fire starter, uh, you know, entity of excitement guy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so, so this isn't, this isn't something I just, Oh, you know, I, this is a great idea. I, I'll write a book about this. <laughs> This is sourced. <laughs> this is sourced. Well, no, this looks like fun. Why don't we do this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why don't I make something up about this? Now, this comes from a researcher who worked with people in JSOC. Uh, she was an ex-cop. She worked with these uh, guys who were on the edge of their, uh, at the end of their rope, by already committed suicide at JSOC. They were telling her all these things that they felt, you know, horrible about. She was trying to tell them, don't shoot yourself. And don't over-medicate, don't, you know, get on all those antipsychotic drugs and so forth. And she went around these different VA hospitals. Right. Anyway, uh, basically, there was this story of use of bioagents from the old Soviet Union taking their, at the end of 92, 93, uh, taking their uh, inventory, uh, taking those to Fort Detrick and attenuating them. Judy Mikowitz talks about this where you've, you can you can serially passage things to kill more or you can kill less. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's called attenuation when you kill less. So you still have the infectivity, but it's a way of locking down a society so that you could uh, hold off on an election or flip a government if that you don't like, et cetera. Like maybe Peru now with bird flu or uh, maybe Zika with uh, Brazil or whatever. Pick your favorite, you know, uh, lockdown or the United States. Um, so, so that's, the, that's the big idea here is that, um, they were going to, in this, uh, plan, I call it a clockwork orange, uh, for, partly because it was done by a group called task force orange and task group orange. But what they're going to do is a slow series of meticulous releases of these agents to create mm-hmm. little mini crises right. so that people would say, Congress would fund the vaccine development at DTRA. Uh, and if you think about the Ebola emergency, the Zika emergency, um, there are a few deaths, which I call the red part, the red blood in the in the story. But sure. most of it's fear. Most is yellow fear. And then you put the two together and it's orange. So if you release these things in a clockwise way, it becomes a clockwork orange. I started talking about this in 2017, way before uh the uh, breakout and it does seem like that's michael callahan's role and i can talk about the various after you know but i'll leave it at that for right now 
Uh, no, we can go into it. I mean, he's definitely, and I don't think that that's all that covert. I mean, he's kind of known as being the uh, bioweaponeer guy. Um, and I, the, my concern is that I feel like he's kind of the, the public one. They've, you know, if you look back in history, we look at, you know, like uh, the Nuremberg trials, for instance, right? There was several of these uh, appointed public figures who, you know, were incriminated and they 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 took them down. But the rest of them kind of got, you know, shuttled off into Operation Paperclip. And yeah. I, I think a lot of them are behind a lot of what we're seeing now. So, yeah, yeah so that's uh, that's what concerns me. Uh, not that I, I think this is all very important, but I think it's also really important to see who he's connected to and who's getting a pass because, the people who are getting passed are continuing to uh, further advance this work that is being weaponized against the masses. Yeah, well, I mean, Stephen Bansell, the CEO of, of Moderna, certainly benefited from the start of technology from day one. Uh, and they created a crisis in order to drive the DARPA uh, ADEPT, was called ADEPT platform. It was the adept idea was that, like, you know, fingers of a, a pianist, you know, uh, you'd be very adept with mRNA. You'd be able to respond quickly with the countermeasures. Mm -hmm. So Michael Callahan came up with this thing called prophecy, which was pr trying to predict what was going to break out. Well, if you know what's going to break out, you know what you <laughs> You created it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, and then this other thing, USAID predict. So I tell Donnie O'Sullivan two and a half years ago, this there's this program called USAID Predict, and Dr. Barrick and Jin Lee at the Wuhan Institute, they're working together on twenty thousand different spikes, and it's pseudoparticles. And you know, he's like, "Oh God, this conspiracy theory." Now here we are with all the documents out there with Twitter and everything. So the so that's the big idea. So it's a clockwork orange, and then uh, we go through the COVID part where you had the frank cleavage site and now you have what well, we had uh went from one percent lethality or went from 10 percent lethality with sars to only one percent with sars 2 even though it was much more infective less mm -hmm. pathogenic and the and what that really drives is the mrna platform uh and we found bid rigging we did a big uh charrette where we brought people in from all over the country all over north america uh, 12 folks researching this and looking at all the bids and everything and found that there was one family in NATO in Europe that was getting all the coronavirus vaccine bids. Uh, and we did find um, people who were very involved with the Armed Diplomatic Security Services, DSS, with the U.S. State Department, which is sort of like a shadow CIA position. Wait, uh, so what? what is this shadow CIA Say, say that well, again. Okay, I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, you can use, the State Department can use the uh, Diplomatic Security mm -hmm. Services, the DSS, as sort of a shadow CIA position. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, in Benghazi that I went to the trial there, the four people that testified that were with all the guns and all the people dying, Christopher Stevens and so forth, were all DSS people. They're basically CIA guys, but they have diplomatic immunity. Mm -hmm. uh, they carry a gun. And so right. if they get in trouble, they can get out because they have diplomatic community. And so, so I didn't focus on anybody other than I had four whistleblowers from DTRA, Fort Belvoir, two I'd met at CPAC one year, uh, two I'd met at, at, well, one, and I met 
uh, at Mount Vernon uh, separately. It was kind of a little covert, <laughs> you know, thing. <laughs> and then I met another one at a different CPAC, but uh, four different whistleblowers who all said yes, confirmed what my person had said. Uh, I called her task force, this ex-cop, confirmed that yes, there is this clockwork orange idea. There is this deliberate release. There is this uh, fake emergency to generate funds for us here at DTRA. And that's how we fund our operations. You know, it's kind of like, hey, there's a fire. We need more fire extinguishers. And then you quickly put the fire out and go down to the next building. Um, so, so, so that's where we are today. And I, I think when it's explained that way, people go, you know what? That kind of makes sense. Uh, it kind of makes sense. That's what we've been living through. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Right, right. So what do you see then as the the role that each of them are playing? is well you have to spread the virus first and mm -hmm. uh if you if you look at michael callahan i went into his he was the guy who was sent over to uh, uh the soviet union after it fell and was put in charge of these six different labs one of them called cult sovas where they did anthrax right and if you look at what the russians are doing is they were taking various things like anthrax and the problem with anthrax is it doesn't you know, it flowed in the air very well. It's right. meant for mainly being eaten, you know, from one sheet to the next kind of thing. Right. And so they took these silicon uh, dioxide, uh, some little super small sand crystals, and used them to uh, uh, aerosolize this, make it um, more effective. And they gave it to Saddam Hussein, Ken Alabek. You may have interviewed Ken Alabek on your show. I don't know if you have or not. I have not. He, no, I would uh, like to. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. he ran the he, program. He's the other one that has been kind of public and, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's other people other than Ken. I think the real ones are here in Gainesville, uh, Florida, the real dogs, and, and some other uh, labs around the old Soviet Union, but we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, well, well, that's kind of what I mean, though. I think, like, they, they pointed the finger at him. They've allowed him to be kind of uh, a fall guy. To, uh, yeah, he was the Washington kind of song and dance man to say how right. bad it was. So you need to tremendously fund DTRA. This is so bad, right? right? But the real guys with the test tubes are all in these little labs surrounding the Soviet Union. But you you, you get the idea that yeah. uh, this there's these silicon particles that use it for dispersal. They give it to Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. Ken Alabek goes to me, you know, and works with them and, and is used to develop the whole case against Saddam Hussein using anthrax. That's why mm -hmm. Emergent Biosolutions gets a contract to inoculate every soldier, sailor, and um, airman mm -hmm. and woman in the uh, with a six-shot course. I've interviewed a lot of people who had this for Emergent Biosolutions for anthrax. So that's how these things happen. Um, whoa. I just heard a cannon go off. I think that's because I'm here in Tampa Bay and the pirate ship is now going by. Here. So anyway, 
Um, <laughs> the guy I'm chasing with these silicon uh, particles, like you say, from the University of Florida, lived in Tampa and then fled to, uh, like a shot out of a cannon, he fled to uh, Wuhan in August of 2019. So that's what I'm chasing right here, right now. But but you get the idea is you take the old Soviet Union stuff, you gradually move it over, you attenuate it, you release it, you get the money, uh, and you make a tremendous amount of money on vaccines, especially if you can get away from the old egg-based vaccines. You basically obsolete all your old competitors, and now you're the only game in town now right. with Moderna and, and Pfizer and whoever else you decide to license it to. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what happened, I think. Yeah. So what I'm curious about where they're going next, because, you know, you have, especially with all all of these players and what they're saying, you know, like now you have Malone coming out and saying that, you know, he's speaking against the mRNA. Um, Yeah. So I just but now they're also talking about creating vaccines for all sorts of things like uh, they're doing like an addiction one. They're. They're text testing like your your genes for uh, addiction proclivities, and they're now saying they'll have a vaccine to buffer you against it. Which I I think what most people have some gene right for addiction of some sort. So so now they'll just vaccinate the entire population with this mRNA. <laughs> yeah, and of course they're well, they're also working on catastrophic contagion right now. So they have all and they're doing event two hundred two. So yeah, so yeah. so where do we think that we're we're going to go well, next? I think the next one is going to be a MERS type thing. It's going to come out of Qatar. The super spreader event's going to be the World Cup. We had a lot of athletes sick, uh, go home mm. sick, just mm. like the military games in 2019. Right. And I think you're getting that same sort of cover up right now while they allow it to spread. I'm not saying it's as deadly as the 35% pathogenicity of MERS one, like like SARS to SARS two. I think it's going to be the same reduction in pathogenicity although i think it's going to be higher uh more like two or three percent at least double um uh, but i don't think it, we since we've all seen the show before we're all waiting for nancy pelosi to have everybody say come on down to the you know <laughs> to chinatown on january 25th and breathe on everybody kiss everybody and everybody's gonna go well isn't isn't that what you did the last time that caused the you you know so uh or, or most we'll just press don't. rewind and repeat yeah we'll press play yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not gonna work it, it's not gonna work this time um yeah. and uh you know interestingly enough that factory that he worked at that michael callahan worked at in august of 2019 when this guy le- leaves here this guy named lin yang mm-hmm. yeah working with the silicon particles here at, yeah yeah he leaves like a shot out of Canada. You heard the sound effects for. There's an explosion also in Koltsova near, near the office of Michael Callahan <laughs> in 2019 in the old Soviet Union. And what happens when you have an explosion with silicon particles is you can actually uh, trace the plume, depending on which way the wind is blowing and so forth. And it's a way of modeling. You can model the particular matter. Even from space, you can do this. So it's it's almost a kind of like a, a dress rehearsal to say, okay, now a month later we need to go to Wuhan and do this, this new uh, whistleblower from who worked at EcoHealth Alliance on the uh, uh, gain of function for coronavirus. This Huff, Andrew Huff, is saying that uh, in October, in September, there was chimneys ablaze in Wuhan, 
uh, with this particular matter. He says it's crematoriums. I say it might be crematoriums plus something else. Right. But it, this is how you stage or or kickstart. It's not necessarily a live virus. Could be a live virus. A live virus will transmit. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. But then you kick it off, right? And um, there's lots of different ways to do it. But that's what I expect is coming. Wow. You know, there were a lot of theories about uh, like particulates being sprayed uh, over some cities. That would kind of lend a lot of lend a lot of credence to that theory. In 2019, we were following this uh, Ukrainian billionaire named Kolomoisky because he had a history of biological chemicals and spraying them in Africa yeah. as well. He was going to spray these people, protesters in Hong Kong. And if you think about it, it's the number one force multiplier uh, that's low intensity, like the old, uh, you know, Pinochet and the dictators in South America. They had no choice other than to buy, you know, old P-40s and P-51s that would slowly go over the crowd and just shoot them with machine guns. That doesn't look yeah. good. No, <laughs> not, so, not is, so much. Yeah, yeah. Spraying is a good alternative, you know, and that way the more you go out and protest, the more you get sprayed. It's a perfect answer to protest. It's really their Achilles heel for any dictator. Um, so I, I think you're right. I, I think there's a lot of people that are being portrayed as heroes, like this Dan Hale in U- Ukraine. I, that I get, I, I, I have a... A, a nemesis who's threatened my life and to burn my family named Hale, who might be the grandson of I.B. Hale. So that's why. I've, but anyway, there's another Hale, not Ken Hale, but this David Hale or Dan Hale, okay. who is supposed to be the hero of Ukraine on drones. He's saying, hey, there's all these drones spraying their, you know, the Russian troops in in um uh, Ukraine. Well, that's the perfect way. Most people don't realize that it's the perfect way of developing a whole bunch of people in blood serum that has the antibodies. And you take the best antibody and that becomes, you clone it, it's called a monoclonal antibody, and that is a therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It's worth billions of dollars when you do that. So sure. if I was looking for anybody who is the bad guy, the real bad guy in Ukraine spraying the Russians, I would say it's Dan Hale. Just on my experience, where you always present these guys as heroes when they're actually the villains. I'm so honored and excited to announce that Fox and Sons is an official sponsor of the Courtney Turner podcast. As many of you know, I am a huge fan of my morning cup Joe, and I'm also a huge fan of supporting small businesses. So Steve from Fox and Sons Coffee has actually been a, a listener and a supporter of my podcast and of my work. So I'm super excited for us to collaborate and his coffee is really, really awesome. And it is a small family business. So I, I'm a huge believer that we should be getting products, especially uh, products that we're going to ingest and consume from small businesses because big food is usually uh, contaminated. So best to know where you're getting your sources from and your products from. And his story is really, really awesome. So I'm going to read it to you because if I were to share it, I would butcher it. And it it really is the story of a small family business and American entrepreneurship. So it's really beautiful. This is what he says. When I was growing up, I would often go to work with my dad on Saturdays. They were special father and son days. We would go out for breakfast and he would let me have a cup of coffee. These memories of sharing breakfast and a cup of coffee with my amazing father will always be my favorite memories of him. He has been the best influence in my life, and I am forever grateful for those days. I believe this is where my lifelong love for coffee began, 
and why I have created Fox and Sons Coffee LLC and why I have the following goals. His goals are to share his appreciation for an absolutely awesome coffee. And he says he knew you will agree when you try his coffee. And I can attest to that. His coffee is awesome. And I'm actually really, really picky about my coffee. So I can tell you, this is really good coffee. To honor my father and pass on a business and the spirit of entrepreneurship to my two sons. I hope you enjoy the coffee and tell your friends and family about it. So that is Stephen from Fox and Sons. And you can go to foxnsons.com and use the code CTP for Courtney Turner Podcast and you will get your discount. I posted it on my Instagram as well. So you can find it there and I'll post it. Uh, I will be posting it on my website and on my link tree so you can find the links there. But it is again, it's foxnsons.com. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that just it seemed to be a very common thread. I, I'm seeing a lot of that where they present the the hero and the hero is really not the hero. Um, like nobody's made any more money more money on mRNA than Robert uh, than Robert Malone. I do like Robert Malone though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's the problem. <laughs> he's yeah, very likable. Very smooth. He's the world's most interesting man. <laughs> really? Uh, he's more interesting than the world's most interesting man. You know, on the beer. <laughs> right. Uh, he is extremely well spoken. He's uh, he's brilliant. Really, he's absolutely he, brilliant. Yes, yeah. he is. He, he knows yeah. his science. It's like nobody's business. And I, mm-hmm. I have tremendous respect for him. And this is why I say I and, don't and know he doesn't just know science, but he uh, he knows the geopolitical sphere, which is. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, yeah. kind of concerning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's an operator for sure. He's kind of, I like to liken him to a smart Ronald Reagan as a spokesmodel. Right. For, I totally for get that analogy. Yes. But a really <laughs> smart Ronald Reagan. You yes. know. Um, where they kind of put him in to be the front man to tell different stories, you know, and so forth. But I do think and his he, new book is, just came out too. I'm curious yeah, in to the read book. That. He, in, yeah, in the book, uh, which is the lies they told you about Wuhan or the lies they told you about coronavirus, well, like or the lies like that the, the lies, government something. told you or something. It's about the government, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've I've read pieces of it. Uh, there, okay. I've reproduced sections where he talks about Callahan and. He's a little, little fuzzy, you know. He, uh, I can't remember the a- a HIV company uh, he did, and uh, he was with it was Alavec, I think it was, but he did a paper with Michael uh, Callahan on Zika, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then Michael, all these hemorrhagic fevers, gut, you know, bleeding gut type things uh, is Michael Callahan's forte, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they go. He, Michael Callahan's more aligned around the pathologies being an internal uh, medicine doctor, whereas Malone's more horizontally um, about vaccine technology. Right. And, and, and Malone knows vaccine technology. He knows every form possible. And so that's why I think he's kind of like a guy who says, okay, Bob, we got to move everybody off these eggs. (laughs) And we're going to do it. Do you want to be a part of it or not? And you're kind of a contract player. It's like a law a lawyer. Do you want to take this case or don't you? Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, yeah, I, can, I could go back. I, I did some early work on this stuff out at, uh, you know, uh, in Berkeley at, at, uh, at Cal. 
yeah, okay. I did some work down at Salk with the guy who, you know, and I with Dr. Wolf who was injecting it in rats. Yeah. I remember doing the PEG. Remember the PEG that Bob Malone perfects is what ends up being in the mRNA. That's where his claim to fame is. Uh, it's also the thing that goes into a vape load. So the the vape load doesn't burn before it gets to your lungs. Right. So he has he has all these associations with Vapor Bar and uh, American Tobacco Institute, and then the follow-ons when they changed their name and got embarrassed with the cancer and all that. And Surgeon General, and then, then uh, all the um, the tobacco growers in general uh, of Virginia as a, I mean, I think he's going to run for senator in Virginia, because those tobacco growers with less cigarette smoke, what do you do? Well, hey, why don't you become a DARPA supplier? So they're actually looking at tobacco growing vaccines, tobacco growing all these things that you're talking about with mRNA. Well, that's fascinating because I know that there's a like a nicotine receptor that is a buffer against uh, COVID, supposedly. There were a bunch of studies on that. I read a bunch of those articles. It's so I thought that was... Sorry? Yeah. Yeah. It's a competitor. So mm -hmm. it fights for the same receptor. So that's why right. there's a kind of a therapeutic effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. The ACE2 receptor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, that is one odd area because this all kind that he's working with makes a artificial nicotine and a synthetic nicotine called uh, Nick select. Uh, they call it nicotine 3.0. And the FDA just mandated that all vapes will go to this synthetic uh, nicotine. Thanks. So you can kind of see what's happening here is they want to control what you eat, what you breathe, what you smoke, uh, it's, and what goes in your arm. I, I interviewed a lawyer who is on the uh, working on the whole vape case, and it, that's really fascinating. There's a, like a war against it, really, right now. Yeah. And uh, it does seem... The, the, uh, the jewel case? Yeah, the jewel the, case. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So well, Jewel, uh, there is this E Valley, which is damaged from the lungs and uh, illegal, like third parties putting stuff in or impurities. Right. That's one case that broke out right before COVID in July, June, July. Right. Are they testing something that they were going to try in Wuhan? Um, because it does uh, strike smoking males far higher incidence than males and far higher way farther higher than females because less mm -hmm. females smoke in China than 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 males males so so that's one question but then the jewel case uh, is another right to choose you know mango uh what is it uh mango uh jewel Wait. pods right right <laughs> <laughs> that they want to ban ban those. I'm like, that's the that's the DARPA test pod right there. You know, they're gonna ban that. So yeah, I I don't know much about the Jewel case uh, other than that, other than illegally marketing to minors. I think there was a case. Yeah, no, this 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 wasn't that, but it, it seemed really suspicious to me because uh, it because of that the the competition with the nicotine receptor. Um, I I think that that because of that it was very interesting to me because it does it did seem like there was some kind of uh, an alter alternative agenda that you know, dr uh, malone also worked on inhalable vaccines darpa also worked on inhalable vaccines because if you think about it in the case yep. of nick we get the drug to your brain in 10 seconds consider yep. how long it would take if you had to put a shot in to get the nicotine to your brain it would take a lot longer sure so 
uh, inhalable vaccines. And plus, you don't need a corman, a Navy corman, to put it in your arm. If you get sprayed by something, you know, in a special operations mission, you just say, hey, open your jewel case and smoke the orange one. <laughs> you know, that's the anthrax one or whatever the <laughs> countermeasure did. And that's really how they think at DTRA yeah. is how do we make this convenient for the warfighter war as possible? Yeah. So I think you should have him on and try to answer, ask him some of these questions like, have you ever worked with tobacco companies or any tobacco projects? I have a lot of questions for him. I, I was thinking he did say that when his book came out, that might be a good time to come back. So I I may, I may, I was actually thinking about reaching out today when I found out that his book was out. Um, so yeah, so maybe I will follow so up and see. Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, children's health defense, you know, mm -hmm. Bobby Kennedy's book. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like, aligning a little bit with an anti-vaxxer and i know he's not an anti-vaxxer he's no he's actually defending and that's what's very interesting because when i talked to him um you know he was saying that he was very much like on the fence uh he had said that he used to think that he would advocate it in the case of uh, the elderly, people who are in the quote unquote high risk population. And then he actually said he said this on my podcast. He said that he can no longer say that, that now he thinks there is nobody for whom this is a good idea. But now it sounds like he's peddling the narrative that it's I, uh, very recently he has said that he still advocates it for. Uh, the elderly and those in the high risk population. So I, I think that's, that's interesting that he's kind of changed his tune on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely not an anti-vaxxer. He is definitely, you know, pro vaccine, uh, which is again, kind of, it's curious to me because I, other than him, I don't know anybody who goes down the, you know, research uh, the rabbit hole of vaccines and comes out pro vaccine. I mean, when, once you start diving into that research, there's really very little to support uh, people taking it. I mean, the, the, the risks are just pretty astronomical and all the adjuvants that they put into it. You know, the reason why we have all these increased allergies is because they're putting, you know, all these foods like eggs and, you know, peanut, peanut is ingredient number 67. And I, I remember that because my sister is anaphylactic to peanuts and the rise of peanut allergy has increased so dramatically. And it is because of the vaccines, because when you inject something into your bloodstream, you have a traumatic response to it. Our bodies are designed for, to have that a digestive response, not intravenous. So then, of course, when you ingest it, the body recognizes it. And it's like, oh, wait, we're the, this was you know, trauma where we're going to buffer ourselves against it. And then you have an allergic yeah. reaction. Yeah. That's uh, a, a, um, immune, um, uh, auto antibody dependent enhancement also, you know, as the, where it develops a second way into the cell. And so there's all sorts of, uh, as a matter of fact, they worked on antibody dependent enhancement. They call it the FC pathway, uh, where you just avoid the spike altogether. You go to the stalk, you know, to infect okay. the, the cell yeah. um, at Alchem. Alchem is a big um, and it's it's one of the ways that bioweapons engineers get around um, the complexities of it's sort of like a, a burglar uh, would have to figure out exactly the right key to mm -hmm. get in your house and your front door. Or if he had just a garage door or that opened all the garage doors, just hit the button, you know, and go in. That's the FC pathway, and that's 
when you see people doing that kind of gain of function work at Alchem, it has to give you a start and say, hey, wait a minute, you got a bunch of Ukrainians that you brought here and, and people from the Russian weapons program, a lot of them who live in Ukraine, and, and they're all working here and they're doing things like gain of function and they're doing things like getting around the complexities that make weapons more effective. <sighs> so it's like, now you could say, that, well, they're also trying to make therapeutic uh, vaccines more effective. Okay, so there's a double-edged sword there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he he won't talk to me. He's called me a grandstander and so forth. But, you know, on one page, uh, early in the book, he's forgetting that he even knew Michael Callahan very well. And then toward the end, page 300, 285, he's remembering, oh, yeah, I remember meeting him in 2009, CIA guy. And, yeah, I remember I did a paper about Zika. I mean, if you and I... <laughs> did a paper about a major disease together and we had to publish it. Do you think we would know each other and remember going through writing that, you know, I've written books with people. I really remember that process. It could be yeah. good. Could be bad, you know, so I, it's, it's, I remember all people I've worked with actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially today, uh, when they were important projects for sure. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't remember when Michael Callahan got sent to, to Wuhan. I, the Harvard chair, the Harvard MIT chair was established in 2005. Michael Callahan goes all the way back to 2005. He was there for the original breakout of SARS in China in 2002, 2003. Right. So he's had a career, decades, and now he's spent a lot of time. He's a journeyman as well. He goes around to different places. That's the whole idea of a clockwork orange. So it doesn't all look like it's happening in one spot. But um, for Robert Malone to say he didn't know when Michael Callahan got sent to Wuhan, and all of a sudden he just picks up the phone out of the blue one day on uh, August or uh, January 3rd. This is in the book. Uh, picks up the phone on January 3rd, says, there's a breakout. There's a big uh, thing happening. Michael Callahan says, everybody's sick. We got to spin up DTRA. We got to do a vaccine right away. Um, and they supposedly, uh, you know, get the sequence. He comes up with a home remedy for himself for COVID in, in two weeks time with Pepsid AC. He leads the Pepsid AC evaluation for the which he knows is not going to work. He knows ivermectin and HCQ are the two front running candidates, yet he takes this dead horse uh, to its grave and makes Trump look silly. So there's a lot of behavior that Bob Malone does that people don't want to look at. They want to look at what he says. Right. And if you look at what he says, he's the smoothest ever. <laughs> but what he does <laughs> is the metadata that tells you who he really is. And that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And he even has the smooth voice. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He could read the phone book and make he, it sound. He's, he's, he's what Ronald Reagan could have been if he would have studied uh, something other than public speaking. Although Reagan had the great, you know, emotive quality in his, his speeches and so forth. Uh, Malone does know the science and that's makes him a, a triple threat. He's the perfect man to sell this thing. But he can't run away from his history. And then I'm not going to let him. So, yeah, I well, I think definitely I think he should be questioned. I, I want to address you were talking about the inhale, inhale, inhaled vaccines. Um, yeah. So there's lots of concern around that because there's now lots of evidence for, you know, I mean, this was a quote unquote theory early on that the uh, PCR tests uh, could vaccinate people. 
But now there is, seems to be some pretty strong evidence that that is entire that in some cases it may have actually happened. Um, and then there's the other. I had written an article and I had talked to Malone about this. I wrote an article. This was two years ago now, and I called it, you know, shedding. Of course, we don't really know if it's shedding or transmission. But now, here we are two years later, Peter McCullough has admitted that, yes, this is actually, uh, this is an occurrence. This is happening. There is something being transmitted. Um, you know, I when I wrote the article, I wrote it as a speculative piece. There were 39 sources in it, though, so it wasn't just like, hi, this is a theory, you know, it was predicated on some very extensive research. And one of the research uh, uh, sources that I cited was a study that was done in Australia. And it, it was done with the John Hopkins Foundation and, you know, several other uh, foundations, but it was on self-disseminating vaccines. And so this was done with the with the animals. They, the technology very much exists. But my concern is that you know, this is going to be, they're talking about now edible vaccines as well in the vertical farming. Uh, I, I actually think Boring a Company might be involved in uh, that as well. So Great. boring, <laughs> but, you know, that's not a surprise since uh, the largest mRNA company is uh, CureVac, which is also Elon's company. So, yeah. Well, I think the whole idea of, of transmissible or self-disseminating vaccines for, for cattle or sheep or any range animal is important because sometimes the cows don't come home when they should, or the sheep definitely don't come home when they should. How do you vaccinate them? Especially if there's an anthrax outbreak or something like that. So these technologies have been worked on for a long time and self uh, skin penetrating nanoparticles have been worked on for a long time. They've tried a million different ways, spraying them through the trough, you know, pouring them in the trough, you know, you, um, vaccines have been, uh, for humans have been edible for a long time. Uh, Gates had the polio. The oral, right, the oral polio, right. sure. Heard Which so did not go so well, it. by the way. No, so, no. Yeah, so <laughs> there's that, like you that know. One. That that yeah. got, got me kicked off Twitter. That's what got me kicked off Twitter. They told me it was COVID misinformation, but it was actually talking about the oral polio vaccine. Um, which, well, yeah, I mean, did not it, go it, so well. You're quoting... <laughs> There was a commission that formed in India and they ran him out of town. I mean, that, that that's the facts. I mean, it's like a blue ribbon commission. It was not a bunch of conspiracy theorists. It was a government study. So anyway, um, the so the idea of a sheddable vaccine, I think, is a, is a very, um, you know, this is the whole idea of herd immunity. If you could get 50% of the population vaccine vaccinated, then you get everybody. So... Sure, except that the studies that were done, uh, the animals did not fare so well. So many of them died. So why would we then think this well, is a depends. great idea for humans? Well, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's a great idea. I, <laughs> I, I think if you, uh, you know, if you listen to Dr. McCullough and you talk about the, um, you know, these, um, these spikes are, you know, endocytosis, you know, the uh, things are brought in and then exocytosis these exosomes are released or exosome looking like things right. in, with the spike protein. They migrate to the heart. They go to the parasites. They're yeah. causing the myocarditis and the inflammation and so forth. But it, but also if you put enough of these things together, depending on what the adjuvant is, right. um, if, especially if it's a metal adjuvant, it's a ferrous metal adjuvant like nanoferritin, you can mm -hmm. actually begin to have sort of a pickup, you know, like a guitar pickup, uh, yep. where it will see the electrical signal 
Yep. Coming through. Yeah. And so you And this is this- Charles Lieber's technology. Which, yes. Yeah. And I went I went to the trial. I went to most of the days of the trial and I saw uh a uh, thousand talent that's postdoc right. Chinese, one after another. We talked about this last time. Yep. And they, they said that's what they were doing a self assembling antenna, sort of uh, around yeah. the heart and or and around the brain, electrical signals in the brain as well. And then once you have that, you have the ability to interface with a phone or send a signal of some type to an Internet of Things, go through a Internet of Bodies, a Latos uh, body scanner, and uh, one of the partners of Robert Malone is Latos. So it has a Department of Homeland Security application here for sure. Now I could see, you know, again, going back to my person who gave me the kind of the inside uh, whistleblowers saying, hey, this is how they were tracking terrorists. They'd spray Tora Bora area over and over again. And then these people would come into the villages when they were going to make a bomb. And then we'd go through a scanner and then we could say, oh, that's the terrorist out in Tora Bora. But now it seems like this technology is being moved to DHS and they're figuring out how do we get this, you know, like Elon says, we should put a neural link in your brain. And Bill Gates says we should have dissolvable microneedles as an invisible patch. And But everybody, Klaus Schwab's pushing transhumanism for the patch. You can see this is definitely on the agenda. We're trying every spokesman we can to sell this thing and the cbcd uh cbdc's yeah the uh central bank digital currency which is totally tied into all of this and uh biden did pass the executive order went into effect uh, on the 13th of december the executive order 14067 yeah yeah and and this is where you if you do have an interface of your true identity to your phone even though you don't know it um and then that's linked to your wallet now I've got the perfect big brother situation. And I think that's really what the plan is. And then social credit, it's a whole nother thing uh, that's being worked on in, in, um, in China and other places, but China mostly. Well, China yeah. has it, but they're already rolling it out in other places. Yeah. I mean, the UK has geofencing in effect already. People aren't yeah. talking about that, but the, the 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 CBDCs are tied to that as well. I mean, people think that you can't the send your currency outside of your little borough in Oxford. Right. You know, it's, funny, it's funny Oxford because I was there earlier this year, and it's okay. one of the smaller cities, even though it's a yeah. beautiful university town. It's more it like forty fifth or fiftieth. So there's no there's no big car traffic problem in Oxford, you know. But no. we're going to divide the city into six rings and uh, you know, oh yeah it's, it's totally walkable yeah yeah, Pretty, yeah yeah just so that they have the next one's london london's yes. the one that needs the reduction and that's coming and then once you have london you get all the capitals third top 30 um nato european capitals and then you go for this, the biggest cities as well uh for uh, you know I, I smart cities and strong cities in the united states i think are two variations of that a mm-hmm. smart city being the electronic tracking and strong cities being, well, if that doesn't work, we'll have the weapons, you know? And right. so Cleveland is a strong city and Columbus is a smart city. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But, and the, the, the smart cities, uh, the 15 minute cities, right. With all the, uh, yeah. the oh, Well, they'll probably go to some kind of ring. You know, you got to stay within a certain area and stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, who knows? Uh, I think it, that it, that's what the uh, I, I think that's what the uh, electric cars are all about too. Is because they can turn 
turn you on, turn you off. You know, if you you go out of range, it can just shut off your car. It'll be interesting to see how much cobalt uh, Ukraine Donbass really does have. It must be a lot uh, because that must be the future. You know, after I think Congo and then I can't remember where, maybe it's Peru that has all the cobalt. The Andes, I think, has a lot of cobalt. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, It takes a tremendous amount of cobalt to make uh, and and various other trace rare earth elements to make mm. one of those Tesla batteries. So I know maybe, you know, it's, it's just a lot. <laughs> so, it's, it's a lot. Well, it also takes a uh, oil, which uh, they claim is what they're not using, but <laughs> that's another, that's another yeah. uh, uh, very rarely mentioned thing. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's true. <laughs> it, is true. it is true. Yeah. And they, and they claim it's so great for the environment, but where are all these batteries going? Oh, that, that's now you're now you're going to be a problem. You're going to get sprayed later. <laughs> so, um, this, I'm I'm already. I, I definitely um, have a target on my back. I'm sure, but uh, right. I'll turn that off. I'm I'm uh, I'm up against another deadline here, Courtney, and I. I'm going to really let you go then. Yeah, thing. can we? Can we pick it up again, uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, and see where to. all this these stories go? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Um, I, 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 I look, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, having me on. And I'm sorry, I, I, it's my fault. I wasn't on yesterday. I was on a plane. Not to uh, worry. I had to travel, but no. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. For good reasons. Yeah, definitely. See you next time. And thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.